Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to that Chess Podcast, episode 33, On The Charge. This was recorded in two parts with Kamal, who talked about the Spurs game with us in part one, which was recorded before the Sheffield United game. And we just recently finished recording with Travis to talk about the Sheffield United win in part two. So, guys, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to part one of that Chelsea podcast, joined by Jack Davies, as always. And Kamal joins us to look back at a brilliant win against Spurs. Firstly, Jack, how are we doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, buzzing after that result against those lot. It's always nice to get one over them. Yeah, exactly. And Kamal returns to the pod. You know, we he was on last time we drew against Spurs. And unfortunately, we couldn't quite get that W, but we got that W didn't, this time, Kamal, didn't we? And how good was that? You got that right, we did. Let's go. <laughs> Get it, Chelsea. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Like, There's one team I hate the most, the one team I want to get a win over the most. It is those dirty Spurs from North London, and we did it. Get in. Absolutely buzzing. And thanks again for having me on. Yeah, man. You know, we beat Spurs, and I was like, I've got to get Kamal. I've got to get on someone who knows what it's like beating Spurs, who could give it the big one. Um, obviously, as with our guests, I get them to plug their sort of socials and podcasts. And Kamal, you know, he started a new podcast. We had Andrew on the other week, so you've got listeners might already be a bit familiar, but Kamal, what is your new podcast that you've started? Yeah, so funnily enough, I've decided to call it Star Spangled Banter. Um, me being a Brit, uh, being in the US, it just seemed appropriate. And fully American citizen. Now I'm finally proud to say an American citizen, finally. I haven't been able to say that all these years because of, you know, who was in charge, but... Yeah, Star Spangled Banter is, is the podcast name. Um, we haven't released a proper episode yet. We're working on it. But but yeah, man, that's that's what it's going to be. And hopefully it'll be a laugh. Yeah, their link in will be in the description. Obviously, make sure you drop Kamala follow again to plug his Twitter handle at the end of part one. Right, Jack, 
We hadn't beaten a big side this season. We yeah. put that to bed on Thursday night. How good were we on Thursday, man? Yeah, we were absolutely quality, mate. It was it was brilliant to watch. Just the slight thing you'd you'd want is for us to have that game well out of sight during the first half. We could have been two or three nil up quite easily. Uh, and it would have made the last 15, 20 minutes a lot less stressful, I'll tell you that. But at the end of the day, that, like you said, um, I said it ages ago that we we hadn't beaten a big side and that was what that's what was worrying me uh, when the likes of Spurs had gone to United and beaten them 6-1 and we just seemed to be playing for draws. So to get a big result like that... Um, and especially for Tuchel early on in his Chelsea career, I think he'll really get all the fans behind him now for that. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, lineups came out. It was a free of a back. This time, Rhys James was in that wing-back role. Callum was slightly further forward. And, you know, Jovacic again started. You know, for a lot of people, they sort of thought this will be a real test of them. So, you know, because Spurs, with all due respect to Wolves and Burnley, are a step up. But Kamal Jovacic sort of ran the show again and handled it pretty easily, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, you know, we talk privately about this all the time. We're, we're both in agreement that we're not their biggest fans or at least haven't been up to date. And then they once again, they, they proved us wrong in the sense that they dominate the game. They did everything they needed to do. Um, they kept the ball moving. They were fast in the passes. They didn't do anything wrong in terms of defensive liability either. And that was where we were kind of suspect. You know, we were like, all right, they're going up against Ndombele you know, Hoiberg and such. This is where they might get a bit caught out, but they are fantastic and you literally can't fault them at all. So, mm-hmm. Jovacic, well played for the third game in a row. Let's keep it going. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, Jack, Timo Werner, you know, he won the penalty. I thought he looked a bit better. Uh, yeah. You know, he perhaps, you know, a bit Definitely. frustrating, but he sort of kept made perhaps drifting wide and wasn't really that central. Also a bit frustrating, but we <laughs> were still whipping crosses into him. But, you know, can't complain too yeah, much when we win, but I thought he was looked a lot better and looked more like his old self. Definitely a lot sharper, getting into some decent positions. Probably could have scored when Mason slipped it into him. Um, but no, yeah, like you said, I, I I was happy with how he played. He looks like he's starting to get his head. It's moving up from looking down at the ground. He's He's starting to gain a bit of confidence. So like we said, hopefully that goal comes soon. Yeah, no, exactly. And obviously he won the penalty, but Jorginho probably slotted it. There was no hop, skip and a jump. He just booted it bottom right-hand corner and we were 1-0 up and it was happy days. Um, Thiago Silva, unfortunately, got a knock. Uh, don't know how serious it is, but presume he will miss, or he will miss um, some games. Uh, but before we sort of move on to sort of some of the other players, you know, again, Jack, Mason Mount, you know, get a, a bit of frustrating a bit at times in the final third, maybe, you know, final ball, not quite there at times of any shooting boots, still not quite there. But again, another brilliant display from him. Yeah, another brilliant display. I mean, you you probably could have argued that Kovacic or Jorginho could have got man of the match as well. But again, I thought he was brilliant. It's just, we say it every week that it's, it's, we're a broken record, mate, honestly. But just the things he does, how... How he's he's lit the bloke. If if he's uh, keeps going and he's a massive success at Chelsea over the years, and he gets that statue put outside of Stamford Bridge, this statue's got to have him standing on the half turn. The bloke is always on the half turn, 
and looking to play forwards. And that that's why I love love him and he's got to play for us because at I know Cover and Jorginho have been playing well and I, I thought they played really well the other day against Spurs and just keeping the ball moving really quickly, triangles, etc. But Mason's the one that's always looking forward. Those two sometimes, you can argue, are a little bit negative. Um, so, yeah, another brilliant performance from the kids. Yeah, exactly. His stock continues to rise. Uh, come on, we saw, I saw a brief touched on the Jovacic duo earlier, but talk to me about Mateo Kovacic. We saw, saw more of those driving runs from midfield. And certainly for me, it felt actually, we actually lost a bit of control when he went off for Angolo Kante, I thought. 100% right, exactly that. Yeah. Um, as soon as he came off, you kind of, we fell off a little bit. You, you could say that Angola wasn't ready, may not have been fully fit, um, X, Y, Z, but, you know, because Angola never really got into the rhythm of the game. That's how I felt. But Kovacic absolutely bossed it. And, you know, if if he could actually learn to shoot on target consistently, <laughs> no disrespect to the guy, <laughs> but he would probably turn into like Zidane of sorts because he is just unreal on the ball, Passing, he's got he's got all the attributes necessary to be a top top, you know, week in week mm. out midfielder. The only thing that lacking is the final product, and that shot kind of summed it up. It was kind of hysterical mm. at the same time. I kind of laughed again, like <laughs> I kind of I kind of chuckled because it was like, oh, you know, you know exactly what's about to happen, and it kind of like <laughs> it went so far off. And yeah. you know, yeah. he tried, but you know, that's what we want. You you want those kind of deep runs from midfield, like coming in from the defence and going, you know, 60, 70 yards and just going into the box. Yeah. Hopefully he, he just, always, just add that final product. Yeah, he just always seems to get a nosebleed, doesn't he, when he gets <laughs> yeah. into that final He's third. like, oh, God, what do I do? What do I do? What exactly. do I do? He did so well carrying the ball and then you see him oh, bearing God. down on goal and you're like, slip it to Mason, slip it to Mason or slip it to Timo. <laughs> Don't shoot. And then you just see this shot and it's just like, oh, it's such an anti-climax. But yeah. no, he uh, can tell. Yeah. In two minds, you're like, all right, yeah. I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna pass. Let's screw it. I'm just gonna figure out what happens then. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I I agree exactly with what Kamal said. I I was gonna say it earlier, but I never would have thought I'd say when Kante came came on that we generally looked worse in that midfield right. with him on the pitch. Never thought I would have been would would have been saying that, but that's the truth. And those two, hopefully, they just continue that form. Yeah, no, Definitely. exactly. Kovacic, another strong showing. And he, to be fair, he normally does turn up against Spurs. He's had a lot of few good performances mm. against them. The other person in midfield, obviously, I want to focus on Jack. Jorginho, you know, a player who's been much maligned. You know, openly, we're not necessarily his biggest fans, but praise where praise is due. He sort of ran the show. He dictated the tempo, you know, all those perhaps cliche yeah. terms. But he just looked so composed on, on the ball. And even, you know, when Spurs did perhaps press forward a bit more in the second half, he still remained in relative control against them. Yeah, definitely still. Yeah, still had complete control, really, I thought. Um, you were thinking one of those, maybe you're going to see him, them get a counter-attack and him struggling back, but didn't really seem didn't really seem to have any threat there, Spurs. So, But yeah, like you said, completely controlled the game for us. Um I just like how he how he drops in slightly deeper to pick that ball up, and then, like I said earlier, just the the triangles that uh, he was playing with the defenders, and just to get out of situations with those quick passes, they just made it look effortless. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to now sort of focus on Callum Hudson Odoi again. His third start, and I thought, okay, second half he was 
perhaps a bit quieter. But first half, again, Kamal, Callum was causing Spurs problems. And especially down that right side, him and Reese, you know, we were causing Spurs a lot of problems. Yeah, Cho's been phenomenal as of late, hasn't he? He's, he's been, he looks like a different man, just just baseball compared to last season. I think he's finally got his legs under him. He's finally regaining that confidence from, you know, the injury kind of obviously kind of shattered him a bit in the sense that he was second guessing everything it looked like. It kind of looked like he was afraid to take people on um, just in sense of his Achilles and all that kind of stuff. But now he's finally like, all right, I'm going to take you on and I'm going to beat you because he's got the talent to do so and he wins most of the time. Um, I was kind of surprised to see him as a 10, to be honest with you. I was expecting that win back once again. But, you know, Reese as the win back kind of solidified that position in the sense that he was better defensively. You know, he had that cover because I guess going up against Son, it made a lot of sense. And looking back at the game, Son didn't do anything really. And Reese kind of had him in his pocket. So yeah, Cho was class. The only thing you need a little bit from him is, it's not actually him to be honest with you. He kind of puts balls on a platter. It's just no one else in the six yard box like getting to the end of it, to be honest. So you can't fault him and hopefully he just keeps going because he has to has to keep going, has to knock it on, put these, you know, five, 10 games in a row of consistent class performances. And then Tuchel's got a problem because he's got to figure out Ziyech, he's got to figure out Pulisic and such. And yeah, Cho's, we've, we've all, you know, kind of said how Cho's going to be the one out of the academy to be the next big thing. So this is his time to shine and hopefully he just keeps it going. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Christian Pulisic was a man that replaced him. And again, we sort of been a bit critical of Christian this season, sort of been saying he was trying too hard recently, but I thought he showed some real, you know, nice moments when he come on, you know, obviously couldn't quite, you know, get at the end of Mason's like beautiful ball into the box. And, you know, he had a couple of nice, yeah. nice runs, but he, you know, he was lively and he was causing Spurs some more issues, wasn't he? Yeah. Same again. Yeah. Causing Spurs issues. Good to see him. Getting some getting some minutes under his belt, and with him again, I think it's just just the confidence he needs needs that little bit more confidence, and then he'll he'll be he'll be flying because um, we've seen the quality that he possesses, especially the back end of last season after the lockdown. Think of games like Liverpool, he he tore them to bits. Um, so yeah, I mean, just as as a Chelsea fan, we're just hoping that that time comes soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we sort of wrap up, I want to talk now about, I guess, we lost Thiago Silva to injury. Um, but Andreas Christian, and Thiago Silva, I think, was pretty immense that first, that those 36 minutes or whatever he was on the pitch. You know, he cut out a couple of dangerous situations. But Kamal, you know, again, we're not the biggest fans of Andreas Christensen. Far from it. <laughs> Far from <laughs> it. But he came on and was solid, wasn't he? Yeah, again, once again, it's like... Everyone under Tuchel's got a new sense, you know, like a new lease of life, it seems. Um, because they know they have to perform, specifically Christensen, right? Because he's come in, hasn't played in God knows when was the last time. And he's, I'm not, I, I guess he is a sure thing for Denmark, but I'm sure he wants to get some form under his belt before he goes into the Euros. Um, so he, he, he had to come in and perform. And if he didn't, he probably would have never played again this season, to be honest with you, besides like an FA Cup game. Because just the rotation of Zuma, Rudiger, and Thiago was kind of set in stone. But yeah, Christensen didn't do a single thing wrong. Let's, let's be honest, we were all dreading it. We were all scared. Mm. You know, I, I know I was. I know half the fan base was, to be honest with you, because Christensen's the one for me that is, I hate to say it, he's the weakest link out of the, the five centre-backs we have. 
So, but again, credit where it's due. You know, the players that I was kind of suspect the whole season, Jorginho, Kovacic, Christensen, they've all haven't put a foot wrong so far. So can't really fault it. And hopefully again, just like with several of the other ones, hopefully you can keep it going. Because it does look like Tiago's going to be out for a minute, right? He's got that that hamstring or whatever it is. And those muscle injuries at his age don't really go away that soon. So scary for us, but hopefully Christensen can slot in and, well, even Zuma, whoever it is, can come Mm. in and just keep going. I think it helped with the with the formation it being a back three. I mean, you've seen him True. play that central role in the back three under Conte and and he was brilliant then. So I think that definitely suited him. Um but like we said, definitely credit where credit's due because when I when I saw saw him coming on, I thought this could potentially be the turning point in the game where mm. it all goes tits up. So I know Spurs you can argue Spurs didn't offer anything at all really going forward but still at the end of the day the boys come on and, and helped us keep another another clean sheet and right. I think we faced like two or three shots under two cool so far so I mean it's a brilliant base for us to to have going forward yeah I think you know Broody again pretty solid as P you know captain reliable again he was the one who created sort of a penalty with his brilliant ball to Werner um Mendy wasn't tested really, but made that important save late on from Namella. And apart from us, you know, switching off, I think Reese was beaten in the air by Vinicius. That was as close as Spurs got heading wide. Now, look, we know Kamal absolutely hates Spurs. So I'm just let <laughs> Kamal kind of roast Spurs. How dreadful are Spurs, man? Oh, <laughs> you're giving me a free reign to say what I want. Um, yeah, Spurs, <laughs> Spurs are the, they're not even like relevant, but at the same time, it's like, they're the one you want to beat the most. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know how to put it into words precisely because we keep saying they're not relevant and they don't matter. But at the same time, you lose to these guys. And mm. to, for me, it's like, it's not just a week that's true. And it's like an entire yeah. two, three months. 100%. I can't stand it. Like, <laughs> my first away day ever was Spurs at White Hart Lane. Um, can't remember when, but it was when Shevchenko did that madness in the FA Cup. All right. And... So ever since then, it's just been like, all right. And to be fair, the reason I hate Spurs more than else as well is like, not not to to have a pity thing, but I got a ton of abuse at that game just for the color of my skin. I wasn't expecting it. That was the first time I kind of really experienced racism in football, and I've kind of held them against. I've held that against Tottenham ever since, even though it's got nothing to do with the club. I'm not saying it is, but you know, it's just kind of that thing. Like, all right, Tottenham, you, you know, I'm up for it. Mm-hmm. So, and I I grew up. I say, you know, Southfields doesn't sound like a, you know, like a kind of dangerous place, but I grew up around a lot of like headhunters as well. So like, so Tottenham's always been the one that was harped on about and kind of growing up with that mentality. Yeah. You know, uh, this, this is a tip that Jack's, Jack knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, a lot of, a lot of my friends are Spurs fans and it's one of those we'll, we'll go and beat them. And I, I say nothing. I don't get involved because we beat them a lot of the time so it's not even it's not even worth it but when they when they win or or like when they thought they're going on this title charge god you don't hear the end of it blame an egg but um though those lot um like spurs fans you can't you can't support them and uh and be all cocky because those lot going and bottling things as jose would say is football heritage (laughs) heritage (laughs) exactly and on top of that on top of that like Oh, shit, I've actually lost my French foot. Like, on top of that, like, Spurs, 
if you actually speak to like the diehard Spurs fans, to be fair, they actually hate us more than they hate Arsenal, um, which is surprising. <laughs> so I know the North London derby is this and that, but at least the Spurs fans that I know, they actually like they get up for Chelsea game more than they do for the North London derby. I guess because they've just been beaten in the North London derby since day one. So, but for something about this Chelsea Tottenham rivalry is just. It's always been something, but as of late, it's just blown up to yeah. this massive, massive game. I think it's just that the battle of the bridge and them getting the about 10,000 10, yellow cards in that game. That was so dirty. Um, Absolutely. And then yeah. the fact that the ref came out after he retired and was like, yeah, I should have sent people off. It's like, yeah, no, no <laughs> crap, man. He should have had at least like eight men on the pitch. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But Jack. But yeah, Tottenham. Can't, can't stand them. As we know. <laughs> Yeah, Kamal sort of just, you know, got on just how much he has. But I was actually going to say, how dreadful were the Spurs look under Mourinho, Jack? I mean, it just showed, it just shows how important um, Harry Kane is to that team. With no Harry Kane, honestly, they offer absolutely nothing. You see, what did Son do? Honestly, I think I must have seen him touch the ball about three times. And one of them was that shot in the 93rd minute that went over the bar near our box. Um yeah, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't scored it, an assist in how many games now? Yeah, 10, I think, I think something <laughs> like that. But but those lot just... It's hard to say because they haven't won a trophy in so long that they'll take winning that League Cup. If he Jose in a one-off game can probably pull that off. But just the, the style of the fo- style of football that they're playing and how defensive it is, it, as a fan, it can't be it can't be good to watch. No, no, exactly. And, you know, you sort of see, you know, a good point. Chelsea in the big games on Mourinho, I'd say, were more reactive. Mm. Under Tuchel, we seem to stay very proactive on the front foot. Yeah. It is, again, really nice. You know, and while at times it perhaps, you know, was a bit reminiscent of the League Cup game earlier in the season, we thought, oh, are we going to get be punished mm. for not killing it off? It was also so dominant. And again, it sort of also reminded me of the 2-0 of their place last season where we absolutely yeah. played them off the pitch. So look, look sort of, it's two oh, it's two wins at their new at their new ground. They haven't got us yeah. yet. Three goals scored, zero conceded. On to the next one. <laughs> exactly. It, it, the new three point lane, everybody. The new three point lane yes. for you all. That never um, ended. Exactly. It did never end. It did never end. Yeah, that was. You know, we we had sort of go off on one because you know being Spurs <laughs> is is always is always nice. It is probably the game that fans look out for for most in the season. So, yeah, you know, the league position isn't necessarily where we want it to be at the moment, but being Spurs is, is always a great, great feeling. Um, right, that's going to wrap it up for part one. We've hopefully covered what everybody wanted to hear. Uh, before we move on to part two, I want to thank Kamal for coming on. So, Kamal, drop your app with other people to follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I appreciate you once again for having me on. You know, I enjoy you guys a lot. Um, it's at Lumpo CFC. Follow me for my publications on that great app that is Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drop Kamal to follow you. He is a great guy. And uh, yeah, we love we love having him on. I'm going to say, make sure you guys check out the Star Spangled Banter podcast. The link will be in the description. Right, guys, we'll be back in a sec for part two to look back at the game against Sheffield United. Welcome back to part two of that Chelsea podcast where we've just beaten Sheffield United 2-1. Happy days as we move up to fifth in the Premier League table. Jack Davies is still with me and we've got a new guest this time. This time it is Travis Flock. Travis, how are we doing, man? 
I'm doing great. Wasn't the prettiest of wins, but hey, three points, one point back Liverpool. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Making more ground up on those above us this weekend. As always with our guests, I get them to plug their socials on their podcast. So Travis, tell the people about your own podcast talking about Chelsea and, and other football stuff. Uh, yeah, so I started along with uh, RJ Ola and Travis Tyler, so kind of a mix between um, the Chelsea Social and Pride of London. We started the podcast called the Balanced Blues Brothers Podcast, and we kind of focus on being a little more of a, you know, representing like multiple opinions on our podcast and kind of having like more um, thoughtful discussions. And then what we've been kind of also branching into is getting like past footballers, uh, you know, current coaches and kind of expanding more to talk about football in general and you can find us on twitter at balanced blues pod um and other than that you can find me on twitter at crossroads underscore cfc and then writing for the chelsea social yeah make sure you check out travis's pod and his articles they're really good read and listen as well i'm sure you guys will enjoy their link will be in the description down below right jack sheffield united bottom of the league a game we thought would be tough um you know, I guess lineup came out. Interestingly, Chilwell was in at left wing back. Callum was on the bench. Giroud started up top. Uh, what did you sort of make of how we started the game? Well, not not great in the first thirty seconds. There was it, Jesus. Um, or Ollie Burke probably should have done better there. Um, so yeah, I mean, thirty seconds in, you're giving away a huge chance like that, and. If it's a team that's got a little bit more quality, they stick that in the back of the net and you're 1-0 down straight away. So we got away with murder there. Um, I mean, I thought the first half we were pretty poor, to be honest. Um, didn't really didn't really do much. Had Grew into the game and took control of the game with the possession, but like the last few games, struggling to really create anything. And then it was a, a great pass from Chile. Uh, around the back and Timo using his pace in behind in behind Sheffield United to um, get behind them and then a brilliant cutback from him and a quality finish from Mason with his weaker foot. Yeah, exactly. Chelsea had also gotten away with a, a penalty scare with Sheffield United's penalty yeah. being overturned thanks to offside on VAR. Ben Chilwell getting away with one. But as Jack said, we won up half-time. It was a lovely finish from Mason Mount. Uh Travis all seemed relatively in control of Venom. Step up Tony Rudiger. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, I, I don't know how you explain that, really. It was, yeah. No, I don't know what that was either. I mean, it, you, you expect a keeper to have control of the box and communicate well. So I don't know what was said between those two and who was supposed to do what. But when you really just look at it, it seems like it's only really Rudiger's fault. Once he plays that pass backwards, I don't really know what, what, what can Mindy do? He picks it up and it's a free kick in the box from, you know, what, maybe four yards out at, at most. So I, I don't know what he was thinking there, but he did kind of respond well after that own goal. Uh, he, he had a lot of like, you know, saving headers um, from crosses. Uh, he was mopping things up well, and it seemed like he, he responded well. So I was pleased to see that kind of spirit in him. Uh, to, to finish out the game strong and put a really, really bad own goal behind him. But yeah, that was a mess. That was, that was the mistakes that, uh, you know, we kind of came to see from the defense at times last year with Rudiger and Christensen. Yeah. Uh, Jack, thankfully we got a pretty swift response and I yeah. believe it was Mason pressurizing. I think it was Brian who, whose back passes sort of mm -hmm. under hit Timo latches onto it. Wins yeah. a penalty eventually VAR, you know, after a VAR check, it got given. And uh, Georgie steps up, the hop, skip, and the jump was back, and it was 2-1. And, you know, 
after that, I thought we saw the game out relatively well, didn't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're we're very lucky that we scored that goal. What was it? Three or four minutes after they scored, because um, it could have it could have potentially got um, pretty cagey. I think in the, in the final parts of the game after that, but that quickly put the own goal behind us, got us back in control. And yeah, like you said, Nick, hundred percent. We the game management we showed in the last fifteen minutes, I thought, was really good. Um, just kept the ball, didn't give give Sheffield United many chances to get up, um, get up and have any chances really against us. I know there was a few in the last in the last few minutes, but we we dealt with them well in the end. And at the end of the day, that's another three points. Um, and a, a like dogged display today, I'd say, to get those three points. Um, so you, I mean, we said earlier you can't complain. One point behind Liverpool, four behind Leicester, and six behind United, with I think fifteen games to go. So I think it's all to play for. We've seen this season. So if we can just keep these keep these results up, then we'll be right up there. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the one thing this did ask me was how how much more comfortable. I felt those last 15 minutes compared to Spurs midweek, it felt that this time the Kante substitution worked better. He seemed to affect the game a bit more. He was able to carry the ball, was able to sort of break up. Mm. He was linking up, it felt, a lot better. And to be fair, apart from you know a speculative overhead kick that Mendy dealt with comfortably in the last minute, and then maybe a couple of dangerous free kicks whipped in, Sheffield United never really looked like scoring. And to be honest, I don't think Sheffield United really looked like scoring the whole game apart from Rudy's error. I want to focus on, on a few individuals. Uh, Travis, it wasn't Timo Werner's night in front of goal, but I thought tonight was a really encouraging display for him. And obviously Sky gave him the man of a match. He had a hand in both goals. How good was he tonight? I thought Timo Werner was really encouraging tonight. Uh, his overall play, what I was encouraged at was, you know, he's playing a little bit off of Giroud into the, uh, to the side. And it seemed like he was really wanting to take players on at pace and get at them and make those mm. runs. And I know he struggled a lot because he hasn't been able to use his pace to get in behind the defenders and use and get into those spaces. But he's definitely seen today that he's going to take people on and maybe generate, you know, space for himself and open up for others if he takes them on and pulls them out of position. And, you know, he got the assist to Mason. It was a perfect cutback cut back pass. There was really no chance at all for them. It was a great goal. Um, it, it's almost unstoppable. And, you know, then to draw the PK, great. I, I mean, you know, it was an amazing run by him. Push and go right around the keeper. Got the contact as he put the keeper down to the ground. And it's a PK. So I, I think man of the match is, uh, if it was, if I had to give it to anybody, it's either Werner or Mount. I probably would give it to Mount myself. But I thought Werner is equal for that award today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I saw that, but Timo Werner's our now our lead assister this season in Premier League, five yeah. assists. So, you know, while he might not be scoring goals, he is still at times having positive yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's won our seven out of our fourteen penalties this wow. season, and especially when you look at those last two games where we didn't really create many cutting edge chances. Though those two penalty wins could be huge in our season. So I think he's he's contributed massively to the team in these past few games, and I thought it was brilliant just just in his uh, post match interview now. Um, how like smiley he wasn't upbeat and his mentality is just quality. He's just saying like, I'm so happy to, to uh, contribute to the team and the, hopefully the goals will come. This is the longest I've not scored in my career, but I'll back myself and they're going to come. So I was pleased to see that from him as well. 
Yeah, Travis, you, you mentioned Mount was maybe your contender for Man of the Match. Now, I know in, in our group chat, at what points we weren't perhaps impressed with how he started, but how like pleased were you with how, I guess, Mount sort of performed, I guess, after the goal as well? Because it sort of felt that that goal gave him sort of a lease of life in the game. It did, yeah. The goal made a big difference for him. But, you know, I think that when you – there was a one moment where I was pretty impressed with him, and I, I hate to say it's like over an aesthetic moment, but it was when the player was at his back, he flicked it up over his head and the opponent turned right around him. There were just moments like that throughout the game where I felt like he was, you know, early on, you're right. He did kind of struggle in that final third. But then later as the game progressed, it seemed like he was really starting to flow into his game much more and link things up better as far as – and also get involved with the press more. I, I thought he had an overall good match. Um, I mean, I, I can't really fault him for much except for the 15, opening 15 minutes. But I think we saw quite a few of the midfielders in the opening 15 have issues struggling with uh, Sheffield's press and kind of the fact that they weren't willing to just sit back and wait for us. They took the game to us, which kind of flipped the script a little bit. But I think it was a good match overall from a, you know, maybe a development standpoint too with Mount as he, you know, he started off bad, but then just slowly and, you know, and got through the match, grew into it more and more. And you know, I think he ended really well. I think it was him and Werner right there for me in the match. Yeah, Jack, uh, you know, we praised the Jovicic duo in part one I thought Jorginho struggled massively in the first half I, but do credit yeah. to him I think again second half he did sort of gain control again mm -hmm. yeah no I agree he was um I know Sheffield United are a physical team but he was he was getting bullied in there in the first half and not putting his foot in as well a few times just not putting his foot into the tackle like he like he should do I mean there's times where you've got to just take people down take a foul etc but we're getting overrun in there a little bit. But again, like you said, second half was a lot better. Cover was good again. Um, so, yeah, it'll probably be them two again next match, won't it? <laughs> well, we'll see. Obviously, it's the FA Cup, so maybe oh, some yeah, slight true, true. rotation there. But Charles, yeah. I sort of want to bring you in on Matteo Kovic. You sort of felt at times he was certainly covering sort of Jorginho's ass at times in that first half. But also, we saw quite... He was, you know, Pat, at times our most creative player on the park. We saw a couple, you know, nice forward balls there. And obviously, I know there was that... I think that jury chance that might have been offside in the second half. He, you know, those forward passes, he seemed like he was taking more risks with the ball. And again, it was another strong showing with him, you know, driving up the pitch as well. Yeah, it was a good showing from Kovacic. And I think that if anybody has shown that, you know, a, big, a, a better lease of life under Tuchel, I know you can say that everybody's getting opportunities like Rudiger and Jorginho and Kovacic, but I think that Kovacic is the one that's really grasping this opportunity the most and, and doing the most with it as well. Uh, today, I also saw a lot of good progressive dribbling from Kovacic as well, right through uh, Sheffield several times. And progressive passing is a big thing that we lacked a lot of the time. And then if he's going to add that into his game, I think a lot, as a lot of people have probably touched on before, the big criticism on him is that lack of final product or that lack of that final ball. If he's going to add progressive passing like he, we've seen a little bit more so far into this system, then maybe he's going to add that to his game and be that, you know, I don't want to say world-class, but, you know, superior midfielder that we thought we were, were getting whenever we bought him or got him on loan originally from Real Madrid. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, the shooting boots were still missing. Yeah. You know, time. yeah. That's that never going to be his game, is it? That shopping got scared ever by. You just go, oh, cover. <laughs> honestly, honestly how he scored two two goals in that one week last season. Jesus, I don't think we'll ever see that. Valencia, again. <laughs> was it Leicester in the Cup or something? Yeah, Everton. That's right. But yeah, no, but credit to him. I think, you know, another strong showing. And, you know, I think he was perhaps also maybe a man of a match contender as well. I thought he put in a strong showing. Obviously, you know, Thiago Silva was out injured. 
Andreas Christensen, I thought, was pretty yeah. solid today against a physical opposition. He didn't put a foot mm. wrong, I didn't think. Jack? No, 100%. I was just going to say that and bring that up, say that unpo- unpopular opinion maybe usually. But, yeah, no, again, he was he was brilliant. Um, where you thought he would probably struggle a lot against a really physical team like Sheffield United and he was cool, calm and collected at the back there. Um and especially needed that when you saw an error like that from Rudiger. Um, couldn't have two of them doing that today. But yeah, no, again, I thought thought he was really good. Um, on that though, the defenders, it when you see the mistakes from like Rudiger and then Christensen's playing now as well, you do it does make you think why did we let Tamori go out on loan um, when those two? I know Christensen hasn't put a foot wrong in the two games, but like we saw with Rudiger today, there's a mistake in him all the time. So that's a bit of a peculiar one for me. I don't know what you boys think. Yeah, Tamori with a clean sheet for AC Milan today and a 4-0 win. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was getting ready to say, Nick. I mean, they, they look great today. And I mean, Tamori, I was watching some of the match, uh, you know, in and out today. But uh, I mean, he looked like he's doing solid. And from what I can tell from, you know, AC Milan fans, they, they act like, this guy looks like he's already been here for a year or two already. And, and he's just settling in really well. And it seems like he's taking the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have used him, but it looks like he's probably going to be staying in the line now with how well he's performing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we just have to see what happens with tomorrow. We've touched on, you know, Rudy there. And unfortunately there was a huge, huge clang of a potential. At one point you're thinking, Oh God, it's going to cost us the win. Cause we weren't, looking creative but as of Travis you mentioned he did bounce back well he dealt with a few really dangerous balls in you know well with his back to goal so I think uh, you've got to give credit to him you know after that shaky error a a strong showing from him yeah credit where it's due yeah uh Ben Chilwell started I thought we saw the good and the bad of Ben Chilwell today in about 60 minutes Mm -hmm. it wasn't you know a scintillating display and obviously we, we we touched on his involvement in the first goal but again started off sloppy I think you know yeah, Travis. I think is it just going to take time? Perhaps him get used to that wing back role. I think it is. Uh, it's just going to take time. I mean, you know, he was being used a lot as just purely a left back, and that's really all he's played, even at Leicester. And then he's dealt with injuries throughout the season, so I think that's also not working in his favor because it seems like the type of ball that Tuchel wants to play is much more high intensity, high pressure, and especially being a wing back, it just requires so much physically out of you. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's a different game than what he's been doing in the, in the past. So I do think that, yeah, we just need to be patient with him. And if that means Marcus Alonso stepping in and providing those minutes while Ben Chilwell is better learning uh, what he, what Tuchel wants out of him and what situations and, and whatnot, as far as working with the attack as that wing back, then I think that's something that we're just going to have to accept as a fan base. Um, but I, I think that when you look at it, there maybe isn't a huge concern for, for Chilwell long-term because as far as, you know, athleticism and overall, I mean, he's got age on his side. He has mm-hmm. – everything is on Chilwell's side to eventually win out that wingback spot. And he, he'd shown even as a left back in, in Lampard's system that he does have an offensive output, and he was providing a lot of crosses into the box, you know, early on in the season. So I think that's – you know, I, I think it's just going to take time, and he still has a lot of talent. I think he's still going to – maybe next season, if, if he works and integrates well with Tuchel, he'll be our starter. Yep, Jack. Uh, Eddie Mendy, you know, the own goal was, you know, maybe communication could have been better there. But, you know, and ap- apart from the, the old risky <laughs> oh, Troy honest. turn, um, oh, I thought God. he was pretty solid today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I can't put any sort of blame on him for that goal at all. 
the, you see the replay. Rudiger's just got to just honk it into the stands. Just get rid of it. Um, obviously, break down communication. But at the end of the day, that's Rudiger's ball to deal with. Um, yeah, Cruyff turn. I saw that coming. Thought, oh god, here we go again. But um, now I've pulled it off. So fair play. And then making the making the couple of saves at the end with the overhead kick. Um, another decent performance for him. And he'll take that into the next one. Yeah, uh, Charles, I want to focus on past one of the slight negatives of today, which was Olivier Giroud. He was pretty ineffective, his time on the pitch, and didn't really offer us anything, did he? No, he didn't. And I think that Sheffield might have expected that uh, we were going to set up our team to expect them to just sit back, uh, put up you know as many buses as they can and park it there and try to hit us on the counter. Um, and then they really didn't do that in the first half. They kind of took a lot more of the press to us, and they also were defending higher up the pitch, and in that scenario, it doesn't. Giroud's not one that's going to run in behind, right? That's not his game. It's never really been his game. He's much more of a hold-up play. But when he's getting, you know, forced further up the field, he's not really that deep kind of, you know, lying target man to link up play for somebody else to run into channels with. So it, it just, to me, it seemed like Sheffield's game plan kind of neutralized what he offers. Um, and because they, they kind of flipped the script, I think, on how I expected them to play. And that's sort of what I was seeing with it. But yeah, he just struggled, you know, when he was on, he couldn't really get involved with his teammates, couldn't link up very much. And when he was on the ball, he just made some mistakes and just generally didn't look like he was uh, going to be effective today. And I think, I think it's maybe because we need somebody that can move around these low blocks, maybe a little more than he does, especially if they're going to, you know, kind of alternate when they're going to sit back and when they're going to press. Yeah. Uh, Jack, you know, so we were, critical of N'Golo in part one we sort of said you know that's probably one of the rare times you know he didn't actually help us coming on today but you know he came on today this time for Timo Werner and again he sort of just helped solidify us and again was another useful ball carrier and outlet for us wasn't he yeah definitely just one of those basically just helped help steer the ship towards the end and settle the nerves again um so yeah decent performance from him today um We'll see, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. It's fierce competition in those central areas at the moment, so be interesting to see how much game time he gets over the next few Premier League games. Yeah, exactly, and given also the fact that, you know, our next game in Premier League is against Newcastle, a team that you'd again expect us to dominate possession and we perhaps mm-hmm. might not see him involved as much. Uh, Travis Callum hudson Adoy, thoughts on his cameo? I mean, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time to do much, but I thought he did pretty well. Uh, I mean, I I think from what I'm seeing with Hudson-Odoi is he's really taken his chances pretty well overall uh, with Tuchel so far. And I think he probably wasn't started today simply because, A, maybe Tuchel didn't think we need that profile of player from the start. But I think probably most of the reason why he wasn't given the full uh, start today was because, you know, he's, he's played, what, the first three matches that we started um with Tuchel so I think probably a bit of it was just the rest because wing back is such a demanding role but you know I think that he's going to show positional flexibility most likely especially off the bench and um yeah I think I think there's a lot of encouraging signs for Cho right now he's in one of the brighter spots out of anybody um you know with this early stage of the the Tuchel era yeah uh I guess you know as Pete you know fairly solid game apart from you know I guess perhaps being at fault for that chance in the first 30 seconds and Reese you know a pretty solid shift from him boys we're four games into Thomas Tuchel's time at Chelsea 
you know, I know it's early days. And I don't want to like get you making predictions, but Jack, how confident are you that you know four games in, Tuchel can be the man, sort of steer the ship, get us into top four, and then you know build on build on this. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's what he's been brought in for. So, I think he's got to get to top four. I don't think there's really any question for that for for me to be honest with you. I think he's got to get it. And from the first few performances, I think we can get it. I believe that we can get it with this team. We've got the quality. And like we've seen, literally, you can put a run of four or five consecutive wins together in this Premier League and you shoot you shoot yourself right back up the table. Yeah. Travis? Yeah, I think if you would have asked me last week, I'd probably say two out of ten. And now, you know, eight days later, I think that uh, I'd probably give our chances at, you know, top four. It looks really encouraging right now, uh, especially with how fast Liverpool are falling as well. So I think I'd probably go right now six out of ten, six and a half out of ten around there. Um, I, I'm starting to like our odds and I, I am encouraged by what Tuchel's offered. And I think that and ultimately that the board decided that there was enough of a time left to make a change and, and re uh, you know, re-divert our course back to where it needs to be as far as a top four challenge. And I, I think that he's got us on that path now. I mean, we've dropped two points. We've conceded one goal, an own goal. We're dominating possession. And we're really limiting the amount of times we're getting overrun in the midfield because we simply have, you know, when we're transitioning, we have five people in defense. I think that base, if we continue to possess like we have and have that strong defending base against transitions, I think that, yeah, we're going to, we are, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that Tuchel, Tuchel will get us fourth place. Yeah, exactly. And given the fact that we've still got to sort of play the teams in and around us and above us as well, yeah. it yeah. gives us, you know, fate is in our own hands. It feels like at the moment, we're, as I said, we're one point behind a struggling Liverpool side. We're four points behind Leicester I believe and Leicester play Liverpool yeah. next week so there's the potential yeah. that you know by the end of the sort of next game week that we could either be in the top four or we could be you know one point off Leicester again potentially or you know we could be really really close and in the picture so I think you know I say I don't I don't want to sort of dwell on Frank too much on on this because I feel like we've now sort of got to move on from him but I think if you're looking at, you know, the early signs of Tuchel and the early star on Tuchel, it's looking like the right decision was made. I think if Tuchel gets us top four, there's no denying it was the right decision. Not just, you know, from... Uh, just mainly also from, like, a financial side. That will be the board's thing, the financial side, not missing out on top four. But also the fact that we were underperforming in the league. There's no denying that. Um, so I think if Tuchel does get us top four which he's got a strong chance of doing, but I don't think there can really be any complaints from people. And, you know, I think people sort of now accepting that the model at Chelsea is, you know, back to being focused on results. But yeah, I think it's an encouraging start under Thomas Tuchel. I think the morale and the fan base is certainly lifted. I think there's a lot more belief in this team. You know, a few weeks ago, we were going, oh, Atletico Madrid, we've got no chance. And although it's still a really tough task in the Champions League, there's definitely a lot more confidence now than there was like a week or two ago. And even in this short space of time that Thomas Tuchel's been here, you know, the confidence we've got in ourselves of getting top four compared to where we were when he took over is is huge. We were talking about, you know, we can't root this little margin for error. And while I still agree there probably is little margin for error, the fact that we've closed the gap so quickly and we haven't really put a foot wrong so far since he's taken over, I think is is a really really encouraging sign and look you know on the whole we're looking quite solid defensively you know I think the attack will click you still got to remember that the players we've had not plays it Hakim Ziyech has barely played a part so far under Tuchel same with 
Kai Havertz, Pulisic have been sort of limited to sub appearances and then he missed out, I think, due to personal reasons tonight. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, early days, but I think we've got a right to be optimistic. And I think, yeah, we've got a really, really good shout of getting the top four, which is what we need to at the end of the season. And who knows, the FA Cup draw could be kind to us as well. Um, I guess I think I've said all I really want to say on Tuchel. I think both of the lads have. We sort of, I guess, summed up how we feel about that game. So uh, before we wrap up, uh, Travis, just drop your Twitter handle so where people can follow you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at crossroads underscore CFC. Nice one. Uh, Jack, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Happy to do a pod where we we win two games in one week. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're now fifth in the league on the up. Top four, hopefully, will get secured by the end of the season. Uh, as for us, you can follow us on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod, on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod. Make sure you check us out on all your usual podcast platform providers. And until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.